The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 7. Proposed Stories by Hannah Shearer, September 7th, 1987. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Trek of Files, we've got a new guest this week. We're going to be diving back, first time in a while actually, to the early Next Generation days and even some of the not-so-early Next Generation days. We've got a great guest lined up for you, and as usual, we have a really intriguing document for you over on our Facebook page, where our headquarters is located. As you know, you can check that out at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> slice-of-life document from the writing side of things this time. Check that out. Of course, here's an audio sample, and then we'll be right back with this week's great new guest. To Gene Roddenberry from D.C. Fontana. I recently met with Hannah Shear to listen to three stories which she had developed for Star Trek TNG. Following are briefs of the stories for your consideration. I have also attached a copy of her resume for your information. This is, this is a guest that after all the years after I wrote The Next Generation Companion in, in a hurry out of the gate, and then all the work over the years, and I, this is just now prompted a conversation in a meeting, and I am so glad finally we got to do it because she was another one of those witnesses to a pivotal time in Star Trek history and uh, had a great career at Hollywood. Emergency, uh, was the producer on that, The Seekers, Quincy, did episodes and also staffed uh, shows Square Pegs, the late beloved uh, Square Pegs show, um, many others. But we're talking about Star Trek today, so I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hannah Louise Shearer, that's a name you credit watchers will know. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us on The Trek Files today. Thank you, Larry. I'm very glad to be here. Um, I hope my memory serves us both well, but I'm, I'm guessing that you know way more about it than I do. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a difference between knowing about and uh, being there in the room, as they say. Um, right. Right. So, so can you just tell us a little bit about how you, got, you had credits before Star Trek? So Star Trek didn't make you here. You had scripts, uh, Cagney and Lacey, MacGyver... Um, as well as emergency, where you kind of stayed on and staffed. What 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 brought you into? The, give us a little quickie about your about your industry career and what brought you to Star Trek. Uh, well, the I was a Star Trek fan of the first series. Aha! Uh -huh. Very young at the time, and uh, of course there were no VCRs then, so I had to um, make sure I was home to watch it every week, and I did. So when the new one appeared, I thought, gee, that would be kind of fun. I'm trying, and I, I've been trying to remember how I got to talk to Dorothy, and, and I really don't remember what the, the connection was. But she was one of the loveliest, smartest people around. And uh, she, had a, she had a great career in, in a time where women were um, not particularly valued. So. Mm -hmm. 
and she was very open. So she met with a lot of people, and uh, I was lucky enough to be one of them. Now, I, we, we should set the stage here. What we're talking about here is the first year of Next Generation. And when yes. you were meeting, the show hadn't aired yet. The, it, you know, the, the think tank started meeting in late 1986. They got the Bible together by March. They're focusing on the pilot. And at some point, they're trying to break out of being consumed by the pilot and thinking, you know, and this wasn't a case where Next Generation had to sell with the pilot. It was a, it was a sold proposition, and it was radical by being syndication right so right. they at some point they had to break away and say guys you know we've got to have more scripts in the pipeline as much as we're focusing on the pilot so you you i guess met with her in early september here um I, there are was, ways I into was, filming but the basically the show is still new and they're barely fleshing out the characters so i'm guessing did you get sent that you, you you had a pitch meeting did you get sent a bible and and they were all just abstract concepts for you then when you're trying to come up with stories? Uh, very possibly, um, because otherwise I wouldn't have known what characters to focus on right. when, when I pitched those, those stories. But I'm not sure that I had seen the show or any of the actors. So it, when, when you're a writer and you're pitching, it's much easier if you can visualize mm -hmm. all of this. Well, so, this is definitely and, before the pilot air, before the premiere in yeah, late and September. Yeah, they were very distinct. And all what I, re, you know, it, this was a long time ago. What I remember <laughs> was that the time between pitching to Dorothy and seeing uh, and then pitching again to Jean it was months. It was a very long time. Mm -hmm. I uh, I have a memory of. I guess I had gotten the assignment and I went to the um, Star Trek Christmas party. So it was some time, it was a long, long time between my first sit down with her and then my, my first meeting, my pitch meeting with Jean. So, oh. was, uh, yeah, it was. So she starts off here. I recently met with Hannah Shearer. That might be a, right. that might have been a stretch in time. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, recently um you know it, i think it was around august but i wouldn't swear to it it was a, it, but it was a long time between meeting her and then meeting jean mm -hmm. so um and that, yeah. that she would have been consumed at the of course she only stayed a half season she had she had issues and disappointments going on as we get into the chaos on the bridge of the first couple of years Right, uh, which which you were there for a lot of that, but as oh, far yeah. as this timeline, uh, Dorothy was consumed with the pilot early, but once they started shooting, not so much. So I'm guessing that's when she, you know, opened up to have pitches. That's right. So does any you see this pitch memo going? You probably never saw this because this was internal from Dorothy oh, to it was Jean. Internal? No, I never yeah. saw it. And bless her heart. Oh my God, she did such a fantastic job on this memo. Like. <laughs> I don't even remember pitching that much. It was great. She was uh, she was really special. I, I'm my vague memory is that she was gone by the time I actually got to meet mm -hmm. Jean. So um, and and uh, so my meeting with them. It, it, if I remember correctly, there were a lot of people in that office uh, in that pitch meeting. Uh, Jean was there, probably Mayslish. Um, Leonard Majlis, his attorney, who Leonard, was in, yes, in things Leonard then, Mayslish. yes, infamously. Yes. And um, 
He sent me, I, I have them in a box in storage somewhere, mm -hmm. memos of like 15 pages on the drafts of the scripts. Oh, uh, uh, Bob Justman. Is it Bob? Lewin and, uh, yeah, no, different people. No, it wasn't Lewin. So maybe it was okay. Bob Justman. But um, yeah, we memos. It was, I had never worked on a show, any show, um, I, in any capacity where I got that many notes on uh, on a, either a, an outline or a draft ever. So Welcome to Star Trek. Some I did, some I didn't, you know. <laughs> some of yeah. them. Was, now you're uh, talking about you're talking about I'm this talking meeting about my, with all the meet with all the bodies is your second one with Gene. And then yes, and then they're so they're all giving me their their opinion and I'm pitching the first two, which they were completely uninterested in. And then um, you know, I threw out the last one, which I had barely worked on, about the kids being kidnapped. And that struck him. So um luckily. <laughs> Uh, great, gratefully that he was interested in, in, in that. So, that would be yeah. when the bow break. Well, you know, I'm just looking at your memo here, our document of the week, and I, I can tell as someone who pitched and as somebody who talked to so many people who did, it's obvious that the, the silent noise and uh, the other story off of that are the ones that it looks like you spent the most time prepping. Oh, and absolutely. The, and the last one, not so much. No, not so much time at all. It was really, and, and pretty much, I, I remember sitting there and it was pretty much a one-liner saying, you know, the kids of the Enterprise are kidnapped. Was it a case of you went through your pitch and Dorothy said, did she listen or did she kind of say, this was, this no, was not so much, or, or okay, okay, and then do you have anything else? And you And it was like off the top of your, I mean, was it actually a off the top um, of your head idea? I don't know if that was off the top. Uh, you know, there, there have been times in my career where I have thought about one-liners on the way to a meeting, and that was what I sold. And um, I have the same feeling about this, that, that this was like pretty much a, a one-liner that Dorothy and I talked, that, that I came in and pitched to her. So you just, you know, you never know. You have to stay open to what your imagination is telling you. Yeah. I think I yeah I think I heard you call it a hail mary. <laughs> that was pretty much what it was a hail to, mary to try to to try to sell something. Well, so yeah. what was you know so you work? Did you know Dorothy before coming into pitch? How, yeah, I may have met her once at a writers guild function, but no, I didn't. I didn't. No, had no real relationship with her, no, and not through the. No. Uh, and you know she was in. Um, there weren't. It, it doesn't work that way anymore. And it certainly, mm -hmm. there were very few shows then that did it. They were open to writers coming in and pitching. It's very, very different now because everything is staff. And um, all that the, they used mostly freelance writers or a lot of freelance writers on Star Trek. So some yeah. worked, some didn't. Um, and they liked my work, supposedly. And that's why they hired me on staff. Had you on staff. And of course, this third idea that she took, the one that you'd barely just was a mention, uh, right. that they, they, they took and I guess Gene and the, and the committee took and ran with the room was became uh, When the Bow Breaks, which, That's as you said, correct. was the, the kids kidnapping. So you have a written by credit on that. Did you really get to see that through from start to finish? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. They, they, um, I mean, they gave me a lot, a lot of notes 
lot of notes. But yeah, that one was start to finish. And um, I don't even think they did that much rewriting on it, um, really. Uh, the end result, you know, as, as film wasn't as um, poignant as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of the reasons I, I, I really uh, uh, it spoke to me was, and I know this probably won't go over well. Um, you know, they they use the character, the kid character, so little, so badly, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt it gave him a chance to shine, Wesley. Right. And I, I thought he did a really nice job in it. Um, it so it sounds like, you know, famously and unfairly to Will Wheaton, it was, I, yes. I, you know, there, there was a big, I don't know if you were aware of it, but the, there was an early big fan reaction whiplash against, uh, pushback against, uh, you know, the kids saving the ship every week when you had all these competent Starfleet heroes running around and he shows them up with the answer. And that really, that wasn't on Will, that was on writing, trying to figure out how to write him. But it sounds like by the time you had pitched this, that was already, and the show hadn't aired, but it was, sounds like that was kind of apparent to you just looking and seeing what was in the pipeline or, or, or seeing. Um, I don't even, yes, I have no idea how much I had been able to read about what had come before. Probably not much. Right. So um, I just thought it would be, uh, I thought that it would be interesting to explore the fact that there were families on board, which, hadn't happened in prior right. series and right. what would happen and what do they do when they're when they're under attack and what you know what happens so to me that was an interesting area to explore it really didn't have that much to do with how the actors were or anything else um it just turned out that way so that like, like so many things that you you get hired to write they mm-hmm. evolve into something else well, that's true. I mean, and your career is that way. I mean, everyone's is that way. You, especially when you're younger and, and growing it, but uh, growing your career. But you, you pitch a story, they buy the story, and either they look at your track record uh, or being relatively young without credits and thinking, well, we'll have an assignment or we'll have a staff person take it to script. I mean, it's a, it's a mark of confidence. I mean, did you complete the script process and then they offered you the staff? position is that how it worked i think if i vaguely remember that um maybe i had done two drafts or whatever and then they offered it but before i before i finished uh, the final the final draft yeah they offered me the staff job yeah well, I uh, I think I think the dissatisfaction was obviously more on the in fact I think uh, the director was a one time director they I and think... should have been. No, I don't. He actually, I believe, went on to direct a lot of stuff. He just... um, Just not Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, um, I I remember uh, coming outside of my office, this is after it had been shot, and hearing uh, Gene and I don't remember who else was in the hall, probably Rick Berman and somebody else, talking about seeing the rough cut and not being happy. And it mm-hmm. kind of, it freaked me out. And, and, and Gene basically said to me, not your fault. 
good script. It just, you know, didn't turn out as well as we had hoped. That's good. That's good. So the, well, yeah, well, that was that was good, but it, you know, it was very intimidating too, and and something I wasn't used to because I was used to going to dailies. I was used to seeing having a say in final cuts. I was I was used to doing all of that stuff, not on that show. Right, and I, we should say too, put a face to a name here that it was Kim Manners we're talking about who. Right. Famously went on to do a lot of X-Files and contribute heavily to the X-Files, so. Yes, it just wasn't, clearly it wasn't his um, genre. Or... Right. Well, this got you in the door like so many, but it was a chaotic time. Look, my gosh, I, I hate to say this, we're, I've, we're really out of time, but we have, we barely scratched the surface of your, oh, wow. of your days there. So I'm going to ask oh. you, Hannah, can you come back? I mean, it's great to see you get your foot in the door here. But we've barely started to talk about this. Can you come back and visit with us again about your your season one time? Oh, sure. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> okay. Well, I will look forward to that. And uh, thank you. thanks so much for coming in and uh, sharing a lot of this. I know for an awful lot of our Star Trek fans, our Trekophiles, uh, this is all fresh turf. And it's again, it's a fascinating time. Good. Um, it's a fascinating time. So thanks. I look forward to that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everybody, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents and your place to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. And that's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Public shop too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.